put to death that nefesh that's wrong about literally everything. I'm ready to cut loose myself. <laughs> the Christian experience has to be sacrificed. Mm. You have to have that soldier attitude. I don't care what they think. I'm here to obey the apostolic commandment. I want to fulfill God's will for my life. Which is the favor that Jesus had from his father by being perfect. And we actually heard his voice from heaven. Welcome to RLM TV. Amen. Hallelujah. You know what? So good to see you. I think that you look innocent today. Don't you think they look innocent, his precious people of God? Oh, the blood of the Lamb is <laughs> spilled out all over our souls. Every day is Passover, because what's passing over? Sin and death. Amen. Amen. So we just praise God for your fresh innocence and forgiveness, your sins be forgiven. Those of you who are pressing in to learn righteousness, whether you're walking in it or not, you know, the next step that you take toward righteousness, the angels consider you righteous, right? That's, that's one of those things. As long as you are making progress, right? It's not all built in one day. God didn't even make everything in one day. So it's going to take more than one day for him to, he's going to finish his work in you. It's going to take more than one day. But you can get a lot done in one day. And today we're decreeing God's people who are seeking cosmic righteousness innocent. In Daniel's day, I've been learning from the Jewish sages that Daniel was so great as the Zadik of his generation that he purified the entire Aramaic and Chaldean language. That's amazing. And listen, so God is asking us to purify the entire English language. Yep. And your language, too. If uh, you have other languages, what's your mother tongue? Maybe some of you watching, it's not English. It's time for you to purify the language. And I noticed that those of you who are praying in tongues, sometimes you're praying in the earthly languages. The Holy Spirit showed me you are sanctifying that language unto the Lord when you pray in that language. So as Daniel purified that Chaldean language, the language of Babylon, with his righteousness... Um, it says in Daniel 12, 3, that those who teach righteousness will shine as the stars. What it means is they're teaching on the stars. And what are the stars? The rungs of the Sephirot. They're the rungs of Jacob's ladder. It's the fourth day, which is the ladder. Now, Jesus Christ was born the fourth day, wasn't he? For a day is as a thousand years. He was born right about 4,000 exactly in the Jewish calendar. So we're in the Jewish year 6024 now. We just had a Jewish New Year. It, that uh, Jewish calendar has been changed by the Pharisees a couple thousand years ago by over 240 years. So a lot of the people who believe that the Jewish timeline is, you know, 5800, blah, 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 they're completely deceived. It's, and it's important because if you don't understand the times and the seasons, with the sons of Issachar 19, you're going to be off by literally hundreds of years. So you need to understand it's an established historical fact that the Pharisees changed the Jewish calendar by over 200 years. For the Antichrist will change the times and seasons. Gentiles think it's Constantine at the Council of Nicaea or something. Guys, no, it's not. It's the Pharisees at the end of the first century because it's the Jewish calendar that they changed. The Gregorian calendar was never changed. The Gregorian calendar is accurate to the accurate timelines of God. And why is this critical? 
because it fulfills prophecy and it brings understanding to the scriptures. So you can understand all the importance of the righteousness that comes forth now. The word Babylon means confusion. So if he can confuse the times and seasons and people think they're in the church age when we're in the kingdom age and we're actually establishing in this timeline what scripture prophesies, which is that starry fourth day teaching that Jesus Christ brought on the fourth day in the Jewish year 4000 when he was born and Mm -hmm. lived his life in the Messiah brought us a certain teaching. So that's Daniel 12 verse 3, that righteousness will be the teaching of the stars of the Sephirot. So that's what has to come forth now. It's the fulfillment of Scripture, and I hope you understand that. Amen. And I want you to be again to value prophecy like you've never valued it before. And I don't mean just the personal words of prophecy. Those are good too. You should value those. Use those as weapons, right? When demons come to lie to you, use the prophecies spoken over your life as weapons, Because you want to believe what's been spoken over your life by God and not when the demons come to try and cause you to doubt. They're just trying to tempt you to doubt and fear and sin and try to, you know, give away what God's given you. So we're just speaking restoration over you for that. But why do we want you to value prophecy? Well, prophecy is another form of wisdom. right? Prophecy comes from Hod and Netzah. All prophecy down on the earth, it all comes down through Hod and Netzah. It's the only source of true prophecy in the entire world. If you're not getting it from hot and nets of righteousness, you're getting clipped. (laughs) And that ain't prophecy. That's the false prophet. Right? So Jezebel and the false prophet, you can see Jezebel's tower on the earth. And then black hot and nets. And that channels down. And her father is Molech from the false wisdom. That's not pure. It comes down. That's the enemy side. So value pure prophecy. Why is that? The Lord showed me something from the Zadik, the last generation, Ruth Heflin. When we're listening to the songs, there was one song that we'd cut uh, to play it in Minneapolis. And there is a part where there's a lady there that they have, they gave the microphone to. And she starts singing this prophecy. And every time she sings this prophecy, I go into that moment. And when she's doing it, it looks like an eagle soaring. And then there's this singular, there's this point. It goes and it goes and it goes. And then it goes into this point of infinity. And I realize prophecy opens up these infinite realms. That's what it's always been designed to do. So when I looked into it and I saw how she was touching realms of eternity, even just standing on the earth, drawing it down getting caught up, being possessed by the Holy Spirit, and speaking prophecy. This is what the Lord showed me. If everybody in that room at that time had stepped into what she opened up with her mouth, they could have been walking back then and what we were walking in about four or five years ago, which is a future, for them, that's futuristic glory, right? They could have been walking in a much greater glory. But most nobody really did step into it so the prophecy comes some people went home blessed that night i'm sure they felt that they got something so something came out of the prophecy and they received it but there's a difference when you step into it so i think the teaching of righteousness Mm -hmm. allows the structure Mm -hmm. to remain in that future when that prophecy comes from Mm -hmm. god's future in the eternity of the eternities through mercury Mm -hmm. and venus hadanetza you have 
the availability to step into the future of the eternity of God. But notice people step back into their culture and right. into their norms and into their nefesh soul. And they just live another day of their life the same way as the day before. But they could have, the Lord showed me at that moment, pure prophecy opens up that little bubble of eternity. And so when there's prophecy like that, you can begin to accelerate. This is like the keys of David, right? You can step into it. How does that happen? So when you're hearing righteousness being preached, whenever there's a higher glory coming down, that grace that comes down upon you, you use that to rise and walk into it. And we know that's through circumcision. Like Brandon said, you can't just go back. When you hear prophecy and then you just go back to how you're living, the grace, it just kind of, it seems like it fizzles out on, on your life. It just, you know, people say, oh, what happened? There was so much grace before, you know, for rising. Well, you know, we've had that confirmed by seer, um, by one of our seer friends that now, like, there was a great opportunity for rising last year, right? We were releasing fresh glory, and some people just rode that whirlwind right up. All right, I'm not, I'm not missing this chance. Well, it doesn't mean you missed your chance. It just means, and this is confirmed, we have a couple witnesses, it's just going to take a little bit more energy on your part, right? I think it's uh, something that's been overlooked that's so common sense when we look into the scripture. If we have someone that's not involved in Christian culture and they read Second Peter chapter 1 for the first time, you will see there, if you don't come with the background of all the religious-sized uh, uh, lack of the fear of the Lord in those verses, you'll see that prophecy and the stars are mentioned in the same verse. Notice what he says, and we have the morning star, okay, star, they're not going to understand all the, oh, that's Jesus, just the ethereal light. No, it's also, the there's a lot of names for Jesus in the Bible. This one says star in it. Mm -hmm. Notice how yeah. prophecy, the sure word of prophecy, and star mm -hmm. is what makes it firm in the Bible. Amen. And so the Lord, whew, I've been feeling this the last couple of days. I believe the Lord wants to release acceleration for rising because a lot of people squandered their opportunity last year when we were releasing it. The thing is we were in closer proximity. What happened was we were still in the world of Isaiah. It's very close. Like Tifra of Isaiah is just bar basically barely off of the earth. It's a huge difference in your life, but it's, you're still in the middle of Isaiah. It's still, you're still very much the earthly way and thinking and, and mindset there's still a lot to burn away through many worlds. You change a lot each rung, right? A lot gets burned off. A lot changes. A lot is circumcised. So when we were that close in proximity and we were just launching out, there was just a huge burst and a bubble of grace for everyone to rise. But, you know, sometimes when God releases things, we think it's going to be there forever, right? We think that Kairos moment is just going to last and last. And it, we find out it does not. It doesn't usually happen like that. It's like, hey... When Jesus is reaching his hand out to you, like, come on, let's go. And then you say, well, I got some chickens over here. I got to take care. I got to milk the chickens. I got to I gotta read the Bible to Don't the goats. Milk the chickens. I got to milk the chickens and read the Bible to the goats in the barn over here. Like, you are playing Stardew Valley completely wrong, okay? <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't work very well. You'll find out fast. <laughs> but we do love our eggs. So we can take care of our eggs. But so... What I want to release to you today is a special grace for acceleration for rising. If you 
had squandered your opportunity for rising. I just thank you, Father, for the grace coming down, undeserved, unmerited grace. For those who repented, who were sorrowful for missing their chance to rise at the time they were supposed to, and now they feel like they're in seasons left behind, you're not going to be left behind. The Lord has not given up on you. Be encouraged that we have not given up on you, and neither has the Lord. So I just feel his tenderness, his eyes of compassion are on you. He's compassionate uh, for, you know, our, the, even though we're, we're, we've sinned and fallen short of the glory, he's compassionate toward you because he knows he went through it on life. He didn't sin, but he understands why, you know, some of those lies got to you. He understands the weaknesses. So his blood and his grace is more than enough to make up for that and to get you back on track. But he does expect fruit. And so when this time when his goodness comes to you, when his goodness comes to you, remember, please remember, it's for repentance. When you the good things start flowing down again, when this grace comes, do here's how you can walk in the fear of the Lord. Do not attribute it to your own good. Oh, I must be doing really good this season and then become a little bit boastful. That's just setting you up for a hard fall next season or next week. You know, depends on what's going on. So when this grace is released to you, take it as, you know, humility, gratefulness, receive it with, you know, thank, uh, as we've learned from Apostle Shadrach, we receive it with humility and thanksgiving, right? All those things coming down from the Lord. And if we can posture ourselves like that, we're not going to lose that grace because he gives grace to the humble, right? So when we go into pride and we think, oh, now I have all this grace, you know, the apostles released because it was the heart of the father and he wants to do that. If we attribute it to our own self and our own nature or our own spirituality, we're setting ourselves up to do poorly. So we just want to uh, ask the father again for, you know, more humility and grace and humility and grace because that's what we need to rise. And so if you missed that opportunity and you know there's some i think there's some people you know you were supposed to rise like last year uh and you, for whatever fears and doubts or questions or you thought and your the demons got you in your head and you thought it was going to be harder than it actually is it's not really all that hard it's just revelation and faith and obedience and it just most of you it's just a few simple things you have to stop doing in the natural realm. it's like how you communicate with people uh, some of you are just changing your mind about how you interact with the opposite sex. That's a big one. Uh, heavenly culture. This culture coming forth is very different. It's, you know, some people might think it's more like along the lines of like, you know, like I don't want to be the Amish anymore now that I know the freedom of the glory. It just bear with it because in this transition, you know, matrix, this transition time on the earth, there's still a lot of sin and the uncircumcision. So you're not going to be able to have relationships with the opposite sex like you do in heaven. No one's no one's going to sin against you in the third heaven. Like it's cool to just to talk to people and interact and it's cool like they're not going to sin against you. You don't have to like guard your heart because everyone's perfect. and <laughs> No one's like, you know, no one has any lust in heaven. So part of the transition matrix that he's setting up for your protection is that you know, you're going to reel back on, you know, interacting with the opposite sex. There really shouldn't be any reason for them to be in your inbox unless, again, it's a specific business or a specific battle plan. Like if an angel, a holy angel or God, the father himself is like, hey, 
send this to this person and then even then you do it with fear and trembling and there's an openness there's like there should be nothing hidden in your arena like your communications because you're just asking for the devil to come into that place yeah the flirtatiousness of false love and all that hidden lust even though it doesn't seem so obvious to the mind guys that's citizenship with edom you cannot hit home on this lust stuff and the false love stuff enough because it's the main thing you overcome to go cosmic to get out of the earthly into the heavenly so false love is the anointing of the antichrist that was the number one thing i had to expose in my life that i was deceived about and bring to the surface and and completely disconnect and reject it divorce it attack it rebuke it in order to go cosmic, that was the barrier. And that's the same for everyone. For the same everyone. for me. That's yeah. the same for everyone of our, you know, um, keeps space Christians cadets. Earthly. Yeah. I'm going to call y'all space, every one of our space cadets. You know, those of you who have risen on the sapphire stones. And <laughs> it's a loving and daring term. That's what we are in the Lord, you know, space cadets, little buckwheats in space. And, uh, you know, enjoying the sephirot, enjoying the ladder, which is Christ. Uh, but that's something that every single one of them has had to face and confront in their own life. And, uh, you know, there's others of you. It's the timidity and the kind of fear of man where you want to just have a little cowardiceness, afraid of speaking truth because you don't want to rock the boat. Now, you pick and choose the battles depending on what the Lord says to do. You don't have to comment on everything, but there will be tests. And for some of you, if you tend to be a little bit more shy a little bit more reserved, you know, you don't like to upset people. There will be times that you're going to be tested in that. Are you going to have fear of man or are you going to have fear of God? Because when he asks you to speak something, you can't have that because if there's not fear of God there, there'll be fear of some other God, right? Fear of man is just fear of other gods. And so that's idolatry. So we have to get that out as well. Like anger is idolatry. Human anger cannot produce righteousness, right? That's something that I've had to repent of a lot because it's so easy to get, you know, angry or frustrated when you're dealing with all of cosmic hell, you know, above and below and the earth, above the earth and, you know, what's under the earth. And you're dealing with that, the temptation, like Moses's temptation when he was dealing with people who didn't want to go into the promised land was the rashness. You know, he hit the rock, can't speak to the rock. You know, it's supposed to be the song of Moses. So part of the glorification of the song of Moses, which is the wisdom of Moses, is speaking to the rock and not striking the rock. Amen. So give yourself some grace. And we're just going to release some grace for you now. So thank you, Heavenly Father, for the grace for those people who are repenting, who have maybe slowed down. Uh, they were excited, you know, in past months or even last year to rise. And just all kinds of things got in the way. The enemy had gotten in the way. Ask by your righteous right hand that those enemies be completely removed. Those thoughts of doubt and wonders and fears just, just being completely removed by your hand. That you would have all the glory and the honor. And the people would praise you and thank you for their rising in this time to be a part of your kingdom age. And I just thank you for your compassionate mercy. You have so much compassion and so much mercy. Uh, just for withholding those judgments that you've withheld for now to give people a chance to really rise and to know you this season. I thank you for the people rising in righteousness. Those circumcisions of Malkut becoming clear and not so mysterious to the mind. The mind be renewed by 
every revelation that's already been given to them. Let there be an excitement to go back through the master class, an excitement to go back through the school of the Magi until they can rise. And I ask for acceleration. Those who are already rising, let there be an acceleration, an updraft, just a great glorious praise. And that whirlwind of Elijah, that acceleration of Enoch, the lightnings and the clouds, carrying them swiftly through the path of stars. Let it bring you much glory and honor and praise to Jesus Christ, Yeshua. Yad, hey, vav, hey, seviat, Lord of hosts. And we give you glory for it and thank you for grace to rise. I think it's important that we understand in the Jewish oral tradition of Jesus Christ that holy speech was known as Holy Spirit. The holy mouth was known as the Holy Spirit. Now we see this in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit's poured out at Pentecost. What happened? Tongues of fire. So yeah. what are tongues? Speech. And what immediately happened in Peter, he went from cowardice, cringing, finding fear to the girls at the crucifixion of Jesus. You're the Galileans. Weren't you with him? No, that was someone else, right? So he goes from cowardly speech. And then what is the evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon him? The Holy Speech. Pentecost. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the evidence that the Holy Spirit's in you is a holy mouth. Tongues of fire isn't just a manifestation so that something's resting on your head. It's your mouth communicating from heaven through your face. So that we read that in Acts chapter 2. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive Holy Speech. If we stay in the Holy Spirit, we stay in Holy Speech. Those that go back in their mouths, who backslide in their mouths, that are not speaking the Holy Speech, are no longer in the Holy Spirit ever or at all. The evidence, I, I would say, just as much as speaking in tongues is the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is a holy mouth is the main evidence because you can pray in tongues and still be a witch and a warlock. We see that all the time. The gifts of God are irrevocable. You could start speaking in tongues and then, you know, they, they still look at pornography. They still drink alcohol. I've seen that thousands of times in full-time ministry the last 20 years. What I have never seen is a person with holy speech backslidden because that person walks in the reverent fear of God because every word is accountable to the Lord whom they present their mouth to. And this is another fascinating thing. We read in Exodus, the word for altar is Adama. In Exodus, I believe it's chapter 21. It's the same word the apostles use in the New Testament for an earthen vessel. So what is our altar? It's our flesh. Our bodies are the altars of the Holy Spirit. That's written in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. So anyone growing in God is growing progressively, is using their body as the altar and their tongue as what? It's set on fire, it says in James. Well, it can be on the fire of hell. If it's an altar to demons and immorality, false love, religion, Jezebel, false prophetic, all of the false charismatic uh, hirelings, which are using the things of God for personal gain instead of God's kingdom and God's will and God's advancement, which honestly is not very popular these days. It's, it's less popular to do the thing for the Father in the heavenly realm than it is to do it for men and women in the earthly realm. 
That's what gains all the favor in Babylon the Great is that stealing the things of God and using them for men and women is how you get big in Christian ministry in this generation in the past. It's under judgment. We can see the things going on in, in IHOP, the greatest judgment of the biggest charismatic church in the United States of America is in total disarray. And uh, Mike Bickle being removed from IHOP, and, and that, that's the biggest charismatic ministry in the USA, guys. It's, it's up there. I believe it's number one. And it's really been, you know, on God TV in the forefront of leadership. And, and, but it really, you see, when Bob Jones left about 25 years ago, 30 years ago from that ministry, it wasn't on the forefront with God at all. For 10 years, it was in the Kansas City Prophets. But the cloud moved because the, there was something that changed in the people. There was something that was different. And you need to focus on what the prophets are saying from the heavenly realm, which is the realm of Hod and Netzah. Otherwise, you might linger and stay in what's popular, popular with men and women because, oh, there's this emotionalism. There's a residue of the glory when God was once there. But if you're there, you're backslidden. But you might think you're in revival, but God's not even there. And that's really what IHOP has been. It's been strange fire for decades. And you know how we've exposed that in this ministry just for your sake so you could be relevant in doing what God's doing today and not caught up in this stuff when it's exposed and destroyed and everyone's wondering, well, what happened? What happened? We've told you what happened, but you didn't listen. Now we're going to be following God into the heavenlies so we have ears that hear, eyes that see from the sapphire stones. I want to bring a little bit. I feel the angel of the prophet Daniel so strongly here at Joel's bar tonight. It's almost making me weep. So I want to just bring some of Daniel chapter 12 right now. Now at the end time, Michael, the great angelic prince who stands guard over the children of your people, will arise, and there will be a time of distress as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. But at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book of life, this is the Amplified, will be rescued. Now, Michael taught Enoch all the paths of righteousness, and that's where we get the book of Enoch which is written in the New Testament, quoted in the New Testament, more than any other book in the entire world. So how important is that to New Covenant Christianity? Well, it's the most important. The truth is it's the most important. And if you read that book, it says, Michael taught Enoch all the ways of righteousness. What does that tell us? It gives us insight into the book of Hebrews, where it says angels are ministering spirits sent to help us inherit salvation. So how are we helped? By the teaching of angels of the scriptures. How do we inherit uh, salvation? By understanding God's word. Simple. So what does the Lamb's book of life? Notice it's book of life. It's not just cup of life. It's not just some liquid life or, you know, what it is, it's book. What's book? Words. So you're learning the holy words, the holy speech. You're learning God's scriptures, but you're learning it from the angelic realm. And then we go into verse 2 in Daniel 12. Many of those who sleep, when they learn this angelic word, they will arise from the dust of the earth. They'll awake, and it says in Amplified, they'll resurrect. Awakening is the same Hebrew word for 
the resurrection, which is used in Luke chapter 20. The children of the resurrection are the children of the awakening. Notice resurrection is an elevation that comes by learning the scriptures from holy angels. If you're not learning the Bible from the holy angels, it's religion 100% of the time. It's just death. We need to be learning the accurate word of God from the heavenly realms. So all of you have angels assigned to you. When you go into the Word, make sure it's the holy angels teaching you the Scripture in the realm of the Holy Spirit. So you get those tongues of fire burning in your hearts, your mouths, and your tongues so you can steer the rudder of the ship, your body, into higher places that we've taught you Amen. in this ladder. So their everlasting life will come through the resurrection by the teaching of the holy angels to the saints whose names are written in the Lamb Book of Life, uh, Daniel 12, 1 and 2 but some to disgrace and everlasting contempt and abhorrence. These are those who reject the angelic teachings. And the, the righteous that receive it and become the Zedekim who receive the teachings of righteousness that we're going to read here, Daniel 12, 3, those who are spiritually wise will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. This is a verse that we can just say, it's like a, a generation verse, because this is the generation that learns the angelic doctrine from the stars. First Enoch says, uh, Enoch 81 verse 1, Enoch, study all the heavenly tablets. What is it? The scripture interpretation at the angelic realm of the stars. Angels are synonymous for stars. Why? Because that's their stations. We read about angels leaving their posts. Well, two-thirds stay at their posts. What are the angelic posts? The moon, Mercury, Venus, the sun, Jupiter, uh, Mars. There is angels stationed on Pluto. There's angels stationed on Saturn. There's angels stationed on Neptune. There's angels stationed on Uranus and their moons. Okay, so when we begin to learn the scriptures in the angelic order of things, because they're remember the angels are synonymous with stars. Why? Because they're synonymous with their post. You are learning the Bible from the stars. You are learning the Bible from holy angels and from their stations, from their posts. As it's written, none, none break their orbit. What is the orbit? It's the word that's used from the angelic post that's orbiting around God's throne, which is the same as doing God's will. You can't do God's will unless you're in proper orbit. We know the scriptures created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1. So, which means when the scriptures come and they begin to renew our mind and they begin to bring life into our hearts, the scriptures bring us back into the angelic orbit of serving God's throne. We know God's throne is celestial. That's why it's called seated with Christ in celestial, which is heavenly places, and not just seated with Christ in earthly places. That's not in the Bible. What we have done is prostituted the scriptures and used them for Edom, which is using the scriptures in earthly places. That is the definition of Satan's book of death. We have Lamb's book of life in Daniel 12, 1 through 3, which is putting the scriptures in the stars. That's what it says. 
So if we are not reading and understanding the scriptures from the angelic posts of the stars to shine as the bright expanse of heaven, Daniel 12, 2, where are we learning the Bible from? Where are, are these all these teachings of Christianity coming from? If they're not from the angelic posts, as we read, angels help us inherit salvation by learning the Bible. Guys, men and women are teaching the scripture scriptures into the earth from hell. And this is why they react to a celestial ministry, which is true apostolic ministry like RLM TV, so negatively. This is why they can tune in and immediately condemn it, weep and gnash their teeth. People that were seeming so helpful, seeming so kind and generous. Well, <laughs> Edom pretends to be Israel. Okay, The whore of Babylon pretends to be the bride of Christ. The Pharisees, Jesus Christ called them, pretenders. They pretended to be in right standing with God. Where were they wrong? Their stars were the fallen angels, the one-third that fell. And they went into weeping and gnashing of teeth when Stephen brought a glowing face, which means when he brought the true interpretation of Scripture, it exposed that their Scripture came from the fallen angels in Acts chapter 7. I would challenge all of you at the sound of my voice, that is the vast majority of all Christian churches in the entire world right now, and the only church that shall exist is the church on sapphire stones, as it's written, the church of the firstborn in heaven. We have our citizenship, where? This is Bible now. In the church of the firstborn, I feel the anointing of God all over my head right now, in heaven. What the devil has done is made your citizenship in the church of the sound doctrine in earth, which is hell. Most Christians with good intentions go to Christmas services in hell, Gehenna, the garbage dumps, in different realms, and then they'll listen to angels of light deceive them in how to be earthly good Christians. Let's expose the whole curse of the fall. If we are going to come out of Edom into Israel, if we are going to come out of the confusion of Babylon the Great into the clarity of the Tower of David and the Sapphire Stones of Jesus Christ, all the works of the devil in the Christians' lives must be exposed. As it's written, judgment begins in the house of God. Judgment, oh, just condemning everyone and we're the only ones that write. Jesus is our only righteousness. So everything else is already condemned, revealing how it's condemned, how it's darkness, is what the sacred anointed word of God does. As it's written, when the word of God goes forth, it exposes. It brings conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's not just for your comfort. It's for your conviction. It's for the revealing of the position in the place of your heart of where your invisible man is, and it will reveal it imprisoned in Edom first. And this is why they get offended. This is why there's a problem with this ministry because the first step of the holy speech is exposing how unholy everything else is. Otherwise, there's no desire for holiness because we think we're good. Oh, my church is in revival. We got the best pastor. We got the best thing going on over here. None of it is true. 
because the church of the firstborn is in sapphire stones where Jesus Christ is called great shepherd. It's not just a doctrine in the brain. It's a citizenship with the inner man, which is your spirit, which is the same word in the New Testament for angel. Your angel is in the angelic realm, which means you're, you cannot be in right standing unless you're at your post in the cosmos. And your post is different than the angel's post. That's written. You're a little different than the angels. Why? Because you're going to go from post to post, glory to glory. The angels don't do that. The angels stay at their post. You ascend the Sephirot because you're fallen. Angels stay at their post because they're not fallen. If they leave their posts, they're fallen. Okay, that's what makes a fallen angel. So you go from post to post. What are the posts? What are the check marks of going from glory to glory? It's from angel to angel. It's from angelic sphere to angelic sphere. They're going to learn and be taught righteousness, Daniel 12, 3. And they're going to shine as the stars forever. How do you shine as stars? You have to be as the stars. You have to be on the stars. You are not shining as stars unless you're on the stars. And as we read, you don't have the book of life, the light of life from the stars unless you have the teachings from the angels, from the posts of the stars, just like Enoch, our pioneer, had the teachings from Michael from the stars. And that's how he ascended. That's how he conquered death. He walked with God and was no more. How did he please God? He walked the sapphire stones. He walked from star to star. His book says, My ceiling was as the stars and my path as the lightnings. He stepped into the tongues of fire. <laughs> so it's the time, just like Brandon said, not to just have it resting on your head. Now it's the time for you to be like Enoch in this Enoch generation and step into the flames of fire, the tongues of fire, and then into the greater house, into the flames of fire. And the only true revival that's coming in the earth, this is how you'll know if it's true or not, is the return of the Nishama, and that is the awakening. The awakening at the restoration of the dew of lights. Everything else is fake revival. So when people say, here he is over there, and here he is over there, don't believe it. Don't believe a word of it. Is there ascension through circumcision of heart? And are they being restored to the holy neshama? All right. So we've yet to see. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's kind of like a game of chess. We'll address things as they come up if we need to. But focus on rising to get your neshama. And that's going to be the restoration of the dew of lights shining in the firmament with a holy Nishama, and that's the leadership that your Nefesh needs in your life, in your own day-to-day wakeful life. That's when you're really going to start to get it. That's your Bar Mitzvah. Your celestial Bar Mitzvah or Bat Mitzvah is the Nishama, and it's very special. It'll completely change your life. And we're so excited to see you guys. We're excited to see some, you know, Nishamas. It's beautiful. It's like the dove. When you go from Ruah, Ruah is like the eagle. You know, you have, let's see, brown. Help me <laughs> count here. Let's see. I'm looking, trying to look through the layers here. And uh, let's just see. I want to look to see if I can see what it says. Oh, yeah. The okay, yeah. So your Yetzira, four layers, represents your Ruah. And those four. These are your stages of eagle growth. You're being an eagle. When you have a ruah soul, you're 
able to be a prophetic person. You're able to operate in prophecy, whether or not your office is prophet, right? The office, the calling and appointment of a prophet is that's something God gives as a mantle. He gives as an office, as an appointment. Not everybody with a prophetic gift is a prophet. Uh, but like Moses said, I wish that you all were, you know, prophets. I wish you were all prophesying. And so every single one of you can operate in the gift of prophecy, whether or not you have the calling of the office of a prophet. Right. So we want you to operate in prophecy. This is the best way to do it is to circumcise your Ruah by going up through Isaiah and then the four layers of Yetzirah. That deals with the Ruat. Ruat. Plural. There's four layers. And you can see that if you're a seer, that's when, when the layers of all the things around you look like they're breaking apart into layers. You can see them. Like when somebody walks by, like when Brandon would walk by, I would see sometimes, I still see it my own and his sometimes, you'll see those four layers. They're kind of ethereal, clear. And then when he got into his neshama, it, it's like reploding the star. He went into, he took his thoughts, feelings, and emotions into the neshama and kept him in there. And when he really got to keep him in there, instead of going back into the ruad, something we learn when we first get a neshama. Ooh, yay, here we go. Amazing. I feel like I'm born again, again. Just like being baptized in the Holy Spirit, just like the day you were saved. It's a greater salvation, so you feel like you're getting saved all over again. When we first get the neshama, it's, oh, hallelujah, and joy, and praise. But then there comes the testing in the following days, the following weeks. And the temptation is for your feelings, thoughts, and emotions to go back into the ruah. But what that does is it shortens your armor set. So you got to stay inside the neshama once you get one. Or for your highest soul uh, layer, which you increase your souls, you go deeper within. And what that does is it sends the Ruat out for a more protective layer. And this guy's Ruat is like I've never seen before. It's such a bulk, like a bulky Ruat of like silver armor fortified in wisdom from so much training and years of wisdom. So you really get to see the, the quality of the Ruat really shine and sparkle. If you've put a lot of time, even on the earth, into your Ruat, instead of it being a hindrance because of uncircumcision, it actually becomes a really strength. You can like a powerhouse. So for those of you who spend a lot of time in the glory stream, you're going to be really strong in the cosmos if you can let go of the old stuff and really get into the neshama. The Ruah, send it out. And literally, you I watched his layers go out. So they were really thick and really set apart. So we're talking like heavily armored soldier. So that's how it works. But it it shortens back up if you go back out into your outer souls. Like if all of a sudden one day you're living in the nefesh and not in the ruah or not in the neshama, that's less and less armor you have because why are you, why you shouldn't be there. You should be in your innermost being. And that's a, that's a challenge for all of us. We have to learn. So then you just finally, feels like you finally got used to being in the neshama. Then you get a chaya and you're like, you're okay. You don't have to ask me twice to live in this crystal palace. Thank you very much. This is very nice. <laughs> it's cool. You can feel it. But again, there's a temptation now to go back out into the neshama or out into the ruah or out into the nefesh. God forbid, stay inside that highest soul because it's going to be your innermost part of you. And that's going to be you reflecting that layer of God. Well, I believe Jesus Christ is coming forth as the rock of offense. That's written. Because... The standards that we've had previously of what we think success is, he says is failure. You read that in Revelation 2 and 3. They had all the apostles of the Lamb going through their churches, and Jesus said, 
Man, you got to come up onto the sapphire stones. What's a sapphire stone? A stone of offense. What's it offending? Earthly successes. So in these days, those that cannot begin to come out of the earthly successes of Christianity, the earthly charismatic, into the rock of offense. That's good to call it that. The sapphire stones are rocks of offense because what they offend is the status quo and the complacency and even the delusion of successes when the Father has standards that are just millions of times higher each rung. So you find people, they, they want to cling to the old. I found, you know, most people wanted to hold on to the drunken glory movement. They were not willing to give up the pleasures of the Spirit upon their flesh to go into the unknown. They, they clung to selfish pleasures in God. It's all turned rotten. Every single one of them has gotten bitter. Why? Because the cloud moved. So it's always a rock of offense unless you can stay on the rock and go from rock to rock, which is sapphire stone to sapphire stone. Then you're not offended. Why? Because you're in the unoffendable God. It's called <laughs> never holding on to forms. Right, so if you can learn how to handle things without idolatry, and um, this is something that uh, God really tempered me in my life through different experiences, circumstances. You know, some of you, when you're going through, let's say, look at your daily life, and maybe you can't stand it, right? Maybe it's just a lot to deal with. Maybe you don't like the place that you live or the job that you have, or you feel neglected or mistreated or something. A lot of times what we don't understand is that God is using that season to temper us and to train us. So you can't look at your situation and think, that's why I can't rise. No, you could literally be, you know, homeless and just watching this on YouTube on if you happen to have a cell phone or something, you know, you, if you find this, you can start doing this. It doesn't matter. You don't, even if you aren't literate, like let's say you can't read, you can get into this glory and the angels will teach you how to read. So don't be dismayed. If you have learning disabilities, they will be healed. If you have, you know, all those things, when you pursue God, don't just pursue him for your healing. Do go after the healing, but go mainly after the character of God and the ways of God. Seek the kingdom and his righteousness. The kingdom and his righteousness. The Malkut and Tiferet. The Malkut and Tiferet. The Malkut, Isad, Tiferet. And then, oh yeah, the Lord's Prayer go up and then you'll start to notice that things get healed things come back together and you'll find out most of your problems are actually demons so when the demons leave they take the problems with them amen tell them to pack it up and get amen. out of here amen. <laughs> amen and so we find in our experience and others experiences doing this that it's true so we want to stay in the graces of humility because humility is the root of all virtues and you need virtues in your life uh, that's going to be key this season. I also see keys coming down the heavens to some of you in Asaya who are ascending and who are going to be ascending soon. They look like golden keys. And there's a key, this this is what the Lord was saying was that one of uh, one of those keys that's coming down for you. You can just by faith just like grab it and lay hold of it by faith. This is one of the keys for some of you. You're going to need this season to transition from your old what you've leaned and relied on for your christian warfare like how you battle demons how you pray prayers how you try to protect yourself there's a transition and he wants you to have more faith in the word of god versus how you've historically 
managed to get by or how you used to be successful in Christian warfare, he wants you to start believing in the awes of Torah. So maybe just have this thing that you say to yourself or write it down. I believe in the awes of Torah. What is awes? That's a Hebrew word that means strength. That's the might. So when you believe in the might and the strength of the word of God versus your decrees, your declarations, your prayers, there's not as much backing that as you think. So you're going to end up having a lot more problems and issues if you continue in how you've done it before because how it was down on the earth is not how it is in the heavenlies. And so you're going to need more righteousness. What that is is your belief, because a lot of people don't really believe, it's too simple to them. What do you mean? Just sit down and read the Bible by faith, build up my inner man, and it works? Yes. So you're going to go into the Word of God, and if this is you, I don't want you to put an exact like a timer on it, but do minimum 30 minutes when you do this. If that's you and you need to grab this key, when you go to engage in Torah and the Bible spa, which means you're screen mirroring. Until you connect with Shekinah. Yep. So you're going to put your hand on your spirit and let it go into your eyes and into your ears. And what's basically going to happen is that's going to go in. You're going to hit a spot where you feel like picking up your phone to text people, to check Facebook, to do online shopping, or to um, do something else, to pray prayers, to pray in tongues. Uh, what else? To get up and go get a snack. I want you to bring a water with you or something and just stay put and just break through when you feel like you need to get up to do something or you feel like stopping or you feel like it's boring or something whatever negative thing you feel like oh i gotta go do this other thing i want you to set that time apart and push past the membrane of uncomfortability so whatever gets uncomfortable push through that and continue just to make yourself i call it force feeding that's how I initially made some of my breakthroughs was I would call it force feeding when it doesn't feel good, when the word of God did not feel good, when it felt boring, when it felt like, oh, I can't take it another minute. This is, I want to do something else. This is not feeling very glorious. The most fun thing for me right now. Well, okay, that's great, but it will be in a few minutes. Just give it like 10 more minutes, you know, and then bam, it's like, oh my gosh, what have I been doing with my life? Like, this is amazing. But it, you have to go through that membrane first. The mind is the last to get it. When the mind realizes the glory, Colossians 1.27 is fulfilled in your life. Not a blind faith that the Bible is true, that Jesus just lives in your stomach, but connecting with Jesus in your stomach, in your spiritual stomach, you must connect. And this is why we engage in Torah. We engage in the gospel scrolls of the heavenly Jerusalem, as it's written. She comes down as a scroll. What is that? That's the glory coming down. And the glory comes down through the path of lightnings, through the stars, and we need to connect our earthly vessel into our spiritual stomach daily to live in the glory. And then from the glory, we get our instructions of how to make advancements. We're directed by God. Anyone who's led by God are the sons of God. How do we get God-led? Not just by hearing voices in our head, like the hypocrites, but by connecting to Shekinah, which is the word that comes down through the stars, the path of lightnings. Nathaniel, you will see angels ascending and descending. What was he seeing? How the bread was coming from the Father to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. You're going to see how I'm fed, how I do the will of my Father. I have food that you know not. Did someone go to the grocery store and buy him bread? 
No, he was eating from that path of angels bringing him down the scrolls of the Father directly into his stomach. That's why they called it food, because、mm-hmm. it goes into the same place where food goes. Amen. It's not a bad idea to go to the grocery store and get some delicious bread. Amen. <laughs> But, But we know how to do that in the natural. We don't know how to do it in the supernatural. We haven't yet produced a、both. people of thousands of believers. That live on the path of lightnings, which is the bread path. Amen. There's no such thing as a spiritual keto diet, which means you need the bread that comes down from heaven. And <laughs> when it comes to spiritual feasting, there is no sin of gluttony, nor drunkenness. It's all you can eat. That's why it's called a marriage feast of the Lamb, which is all you can eat for your inner man until you're overfed. An overfed Christian on the bread and wine of heaven is one who manifests the glory through their nefesh on the outside. Amen. And I think it's time for class. I think we might go over a little bit today, but we do have something prepared for you.、Uh, I'm glad we got to hit on all those topics today. I felt the Holy Spirit wanted to equip you guys for a greater rising this season. It's just, it's a new year, it's a new start, and it's a new you. So we're just going to start off with just a little reminder looking at these pictures. I love pictures because, you know, they can be really heavenly and beautiful to look at. And so these are great pictures to fill your mind and imagination with pictures that remind you of the heavenly things. Remember the promises. Remember why you came here, what your mission is, what your goal is. And it's good just to have these things in mind. Amen. It's good to remember. Not just remembering the promises you know, of God for our life, but those things that we've promised. To do for him. And so that's a part of repentance. Remember your vows, your marriage vows to God. Remember how you promised to take care of that egg. Amen. Remember the picture, it's bigger than us. All these things that God wants to do in the earth, it's bigger than just me or you or a small group of people. God wants to change the world, He wants to make it like heaven. And not like hell, because it's been like hell for too long. So he wants us to align. He gave dominion to mankind in the earth. So if we get into the will of God and rule and reign with God on the earth and in the second heavens through the Sephirot, through holiness, through righteousness, it's literally going to obliterate the Klippeth activity and all red magic and sorcery in the heavens and in the earth. You know, because it's his time. It's time for the Father to have his dreams coming forth in the earth. Those beautiful plans, the beautiful rose garden that he wants. I think he should get it. And he will get it. It's just a matter of are you going to be a volunteer in the day of his power? Or are you going to wait and let it go to the next generation? So we want to do it. And that's literally the timeline that's coming forth. Now, understand this about timelines. There now remains only one timeline. The others had already been destroyed. If you saw that online, that's true. That's why this decision making process in 2024 is so critical to be in the glory of the circumcision of ascension. Because anyone that's clinging to old timelines that no longer exist. They will also cease to exist because they're going with that thing that's already been destroyed. 
the time, the time delay being in time, is to give people an opportunity to repent. Because he wants everyone on this new and highest timeline that's coming forth. Because there isn't any others to go back to. If you try to go back to it, it's already destroyed. So you step into destruction. Best case scenario in that, in that time, you die and go to heaven. But we have better things in mind for you. We want you to complete the Sephiroth and step into the Kingdom Age. And maybe some of you even be around for the Millennial Age. Why not hang around and do the work? Might as well. Everybody has jobs in heaven anyway. So we might as well finish it here. And so as we're looking at some of these pictures, whenever a hard moment comes, the pressure comes, or a temptation comes, I want you just to remember some of these realms, pictures and realms, whether it's one that, you know, you've been caught up into, into the heaven, your encounters that you've had with the Lord, just remember the heavenly things because the Lord told us for a reason. Set your mind on the heavenly things, on the things above. Those things that are full of you know, beauty and value, true worth, holiness, righteousness. Remember, you know, where you came from inside the Father. And that's who you're becoming. You're being raised from the dead while yet in the body on this path. So he wants you to return to him. And I think it's going to be wonderful. Because your inner man is literally going to become a beautiful palace. A crystal chaya palace. A rose garden. All the kingdom of heaven, the pillars, the marble, the chandeliers. You're going to have it on the inside of you formed without all of the uncircumcisions and the dust of the earth. And so you're going to have it on the inside and it's going to be clear. Once it's clear and formed on the inside, then you're going to be eligible for it to be given to you on the outside. And that's having to do with the wealth transfer. Right? I looked online. We're already seeing families like the Rothschild family putting their family heirlooms up for auction. There's all kinds of strange things going on in the financial realms and regions. And what we saw uh, from the third heavens, you know, when I went to heaven recently, you could see into the second heavens, the warfare going on in all those tall buildings that were built by evil empires backed by Satans were being destroyed and toppling over. So... They're not going to have those buildings in the heavens. And some of you who have businesses, you know, we were talking about this week, um, businesses. We've seen businesses that go up into the heavens. Like uh, when we visited New York, there were some high places. When you walk inside of there, they had literally built their restaurant up into like the high heavens of the second heavens. Now they did that with, you know, worldly Kabbalah and it's still really, you know, good food higher realms but you know what those realms that actually belongs to the believers so we're believing for your businesses those of you who are learning righteousness as you rise you're actually going to bring your business with you into the heavens so the righteous will be the ones with those beautiful buildings of righteousness through holiness and purity into the heavens and that's going to give you the business success 
and the increase. And it's going to bring glory to the Father. And you're going to have the most fun. And we're just decreeing all those things over you. We want you to have success in the earth like it is in the high heavens. Because that is your portion as a child of righteousness. Amen. So nice. The battle of the wills. Alright. So we're looking here. This is a highlight this this week. Understanding the weeks, the rungs, because I know some of you in the spirit you're looking at, the road ahead is long. Yeah, but I think you can get through it pretty fast. It's not going to take years and years and years to complete if you are diligent and repentant i believe this is a time of acceleration that god is releasing for you so it's good to know the map the road ahead because what the word of god is a a light a light to your path it's also a lamp to your feet so the lamp for your feet is your very next step so if you're even just at the very bottom of the ladder okay the word of god is going to light up your next step it's just one day at a time one step at a time when you break it down into sections like that, it's easier than just getting overwhelmed and thinking, I have such a long way to go. Look, you know, look at us. It's only been a year. We've gotten really high up there in a year. And we believe that you're going to have really good results too. Again, it's just willingness to repent and change, change our mind to agree with the truth. So focus on your next step, but then also NASA, your eyes to Keter, right? It's good to always be beholding those higher rungs and realms that you're going to get to. And this is kind of what I wanted to talk about today. These things that the Lord has been speaking about. What happens when what's going to happen happens? The marriage of realms. You might have heard about that before. Heaven coming to earth. Or, you know, living in both realms at the same time. All those kinds of things. Hmm. So there are three witnesses in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one, and there are three witnesses on the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree, are in unison. Their testimony coincides, 1 John 5, 7 through 8. And just take a look. And it says there that those three above are one, and those three below are in unison. Isn't that interesting wording there? The three above, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are one. And then below, it says on the earth, the Holy Spirit, the water, and the blood are in unison. So you have the water, the water baptism, the water, the washing of the water of the word, the blood of Jesus, you have salvation, sanctification, and then you start to get into the glorification, the glory of the Holy Spirit. Right? And the angels are the glory of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you begin to work and operate in the angelic. Mm. Oh, yes. You begin to work with the Holy Spirit and he begins to glorify and sanctify your life in a greater way. You get the baptism of the Holy Spirit and maybe the baptism of fire. 
Oh. Oh, I thought you, I still I see you popping over here. The Holy Ghost is talking to you. Do you want to share? Yeah, I just was excited about the rock of offense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Isaiah eight fourteen, and he shall be a sanctuary, a sacred and indestructible asylum to those who reverently fear and trust in him. But he shall be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. This is Isaiah prophesying about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, one of his names in the Bible is Rock of Offense. Hey, I have a really funny visual that I goes this along. This is the Sapphire Stone teaching. The Sapphire Stones are rocks of offense because they will offend and Stumbling. destroy everything else that you think is good or the world or Christians or whatever thinks is good. And that's really the final judgment of the end times. That's why he's coming forth in 2024 as the rock of offense, Isaiah 8.14. Amen. Amen. That's so good. I have a really funny visual that I'd always have with that verse when I'd see it. Is I would see myself tripping over it like a stumbling block. Like, oh, falling on my face. I'm like, oh, rock. And then getting offended. And then just thinking to myself, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. I can be offended. I get over it. It'll be okay. It's fine. And just getting over it. And so I could just have this funny visual. I think that's something the Lord kind of gave me to help me. Hey, what at first might offend is later going to be something, a truth that you defend. So, well, this is how serious it is. It says a rock of offense, Isaiah eight fourteen, in both houses of Israel, which is the believers and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, which was the government of Israel, which are the leaders. So to the leaders, the pastors, the full-time ministers, and to every believer in Christianity, Jesus Christ will be a sapphire stone of offense. Now, this is so huge that twice the apostles mention it in the New Testament. Romans 9.33, as it is written and forever remains written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And he who believes in him, whoever adheres to, trusts in, and relies on him, will not be disappointed in his expectations. So the place of fulfillment is where? On the rock of offense. That's the only place you're not going to be offended in these days. First Peter 2, 8. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, for they stumble because they disobey the word of God. What word of God? The word that the angels teach from the rock of offense, which is the sapphire stones, also known as Jacob's ladder, or the stars as the posts of the archangels. Amen. And I think, you know, maybe tomorrow, I don't know if we have, since we don't, maybe not have time today for it. Maybe tomorrow we'll get into it. But we want to talk about uh, this week getting into the multiverse orbitals and how transfiguration actually works in the body, how that can happen for you. On your cosmic journey, because we have multiple dreams, visions, confirmations, revelatory teaching, and how to actually transfigure. And so we That's have that good. teaching can, coming this week. You know we're going deep when yeah. Joel's bar is titled Multiverse Orbitals. Well, yeah. So, yeah, maybe we'll get into some of that tomorrow, but I think that would be good. Amen. The teaching's getting richer and richer. So Bless you guys in who are tomorrow. listening it's and coming. learning. Bless you. Let your, your ears be open, your hearts be open to learn and hear what the Spirit is saying in these days. For he is bringing a higher food for a higher calling for each and every one of you. Bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow.
Ladies and gentlemen, esteemed members of our beloved RLM TV community and honored guests, it is with a heart full of gratitude and excitement that I am before you today to discuss a matter of great importance, one that transcends the boundaries of our individual lives and reaches into the very core of our collective mission as viewers and supporters of RLM TV. Today we come together not only as fans but as stewards of a divine calling, a calling to support the works of ministry and secure a home for our spiritual journey right here in the heart of Florida. As many of you are aware, the ministry we share through RLM TV is not confined to digital screens before us. It extends beyond reaching into the lives of those in need, offering solace to the weary and spreading the message of love and compassion to all corners of our digital community. It is a ministry fueled by faith, compassion, and a deep-seated commitment to making a positive impact in the lives of others. Our vision is clear, our mission resolute, and the path ahead very promising. Yet to achieve the great heights we envision, we must confront the practical realities that come with the responsibility of sustaining and expanding our ministry through RLM TV. Today I stand before you to speak about the need for us to join hands and hearts in taking up support and offerings, not merely as an obligation, but as an opportunity to invest in the divine work we are collectively undertaking. First and foremost, let us reflect on the significance of supporting RLM TV. Support is not merely a financial transaction. It is a sacred act of obedience, trust, and gratitude. By giving our support, we express our faith in the divine providence that guides and sustains us. It is a way for us to acknowledge the blessings bestowed upon us and to share those blessings with others. When we support, we actively participate in the continuation of God's work through the powerful medium of RLM TV. Now as we consider the expansion of our ministry through RLM TV and the need for a permanent digital home here in Florida, let us view this as an exciting opportunity to sow seeds that will bear fruit for generations to come. Just as a farmer invests in fertile soil to yield a bountiful harvest, we too are called to invest in the digital soil of our community, providing a stable and nurturing environment for the growth of our spiritual family. The acquisition of resources is not a mere transaction. It is an investment in the future of our ministry through RLM TV. It is a commitment to create a space where lives will be transformed, where people will find refuge in times of trouble, and where the light of our shared faith will shine brightly for all to see on the screens that connect us. I understand that each of us has unique circumstances and the level of contribution may vary. However, let us remember that it is not the size of the offering that matters most, but the spirit with which it is given. Whether our gift is large or small, let it be a reflection of our dedication to the work of the divine through RLM TV. As we embark on this journey together, let us be inspired by the words of the Apostle Paul. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9.7 May our collective support overflow with joy and purpose. May our contributions be a testament to our commitment to the works of ministry through RLM TV and the establishment of a spiritual home in this beautiful part of God's creation. Together, let us build a legacy that will endure, a legacy that speaks not only of our faith, but of the boundless love that unites us all. Thank you, and may God bless each and every one of you abundantly as we embark on this sacred journey together through RLM TV. Amen.